Shipping is getting more complicated. Much of that is due to the ever-expanding and evolving minutiae of various compliance regimes, but there is a bigger picture here as well. The macroeconomic and geopolitical risk factors that determine long-term strategic thinking in an industry that necessarily needs to look at least 20 years into the future on any given asset deal is getting more complex. Cormac McGarry, Associate Director at Control Risk, spends much of his days advising clients on tactical security advice, and as far as he's concerned, the lasting implications of the Ukraine war on shipping is a significantly elevated series of risk factors for the industry. I think, for me, the number one impact is the realisation that war risk can very suddenly become a reality. You have a Black Sea and a Sea of Azov that were not too long ago pretty lucrative shipping routes, um, just like anywhere else, serving the literal states, serving the various trade coming out of those states. And very, very suddenly, on the 24th of February 2022, one of the most lucrative food shipping routes in the world just gets shut off. And that reality, it's the same reality that those of us, let's say, in Europe have come to this realization that, you know, war can still be on our doorstep. Don't forget how probable war is in human history. As with shipping, don't assume that war just won't happen. So we've seen the Sea of Azov effectively shut down for shipping that's serving anything other than Russia. Uh, and the Black Sea has half shut down. So for every Ukraine-Russia, you know, there's other war risks around the world and that control risks. We sometimes debate amongst ourselves about low likelihood events and, and, and not overstating the risk of low likelihood events. But the thing is, our clients are telling us, stop doing that. Please tell us. Please tell us about these low likelihood events. Because Russia-Ukraine, for many analysts, was low likelihood in, 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 in how it actually played out. So for every Russia-Ukraine, and I would say anyone listening right now, the, the, the next conflict you're probably thinking about is, is Taiwan-China. But look elsewhere, you know, Iran and its regional neighbors. What happens if there's an escalation to serious conflict and the Strait of Hormuz gets involved? Same can be said for the Southern Red Sea. Um, what about, you know, Libya? What about uh, Israel-Iran and the complicated impact that could have on shipping? And it's, it's still in human memory where conflicts in the Middle East drastically affected shipping. So, again, I think the point I'm making is that we've lived in very peaceful times for a long time. And I think a lot of people may have forgotten how probable war is. Uh, Ukraine, Russia and the Black Sea has certainly, I think, reminded people that war is a thing that happens. Disruptions are, of course, part and parcel of shipping, and in many ways, shipping has often thrived, financially speaking at least, in terms of war. But there has been a shift. The wider series of tipping points that a ship owner has to consider are now far more complex than they ever have been before. And as far as Cormac is concerned, the impact of the past 12 months means that more clients are looking to map out risks that they had never previously even thought of considering. 
outside of the maritime community, geopolitics has risen on the radar. Um, and again, just staying away from the maritime community for a second, we're seeing it in every industry where geopolitics is now something that uh, our clients really want to talk about. And I'm, I'm talking right up to CEO board level. Uh, we're seeing C-suites uh, wanting briefings on on geopolitical forecasts and events. Um, people are seeing that the world is not getting along with itself like it did for quite a long time. Bringing that over to the maritime community, I think like that it's like that times five because the maritime community, perhaps more than any other sector, is inherently built on geopolitics. Um, the assumption of the last 70 years of shipping and how shipping has grown, particularly, let's say, container traffic, it's built on the assumption that the world gets along with itself, that you can just seamlessly move a ship that's registered to Liberia carrying a Ukrainian, Russian, Filipino crew mastered by a Dutch officer to pick up goods manufactured in China that were sourced in Central Africa and then seamlessly move that across countless borders to get to the consumer. That only works insofar as all those countries just permit it to happen. And we're, we are entering into a world now and, and we do have um, people in the shipping community specifically who, who are realizing that that's not working as smoothly as it used to. Is it going to get worse? Is it going to get better? And that th these are the questions that fundamentally they're geopolitical questions and these are the questions that people are really really starting to ask so what are those priorities and should we be looking at those maritime choke points or is this a wider set of concerns yeah it, it, that depends on how you separate the the kind of risk factors i, I mean it, war risk is one thing and then geopolitical risk is kind of another thing so i i guess what's what's probably going to have the biggest impact on shipping over the coming years is the slow changes in geopolitics rather than some sudden war at some choke point. It's it's more business as usual right now versus what the situation is in five years time. So if you are a shipping company and you've just been used to running your ships between Chinese ports, and European ports, trading X and Y goods, you, you you need to take a look at what you're trading. So if, if you're focused on one specific commodity, for example, that specific commodity, commodity may get subject to trade wars between the various blocks in the world. And suddenly your very lucrative shipping route no longer has something to ship because the European Union and the United States are trying to uh, nearshore manufacturing of that commodity. Now, what does that mean? It means, you know, if you're, if you're trading candy bars, it, it it's not going to make much of a difference, but if you're involved in the in the shipment of semiconductors on the complete other end of the scale, you might want to start looking at is your shipping business dependent on the transport of semiconductors? That's that's something that already is is visibly subject to geopolitical shifts. But then there's everything in between. Um, what are you trading between China and the rest of the world? Um, take a look at it. See if it's subject to. Um, to geopolitical disruption because ultimately the companies that are trading those goods they they are already looking into that um there are companies looking at their supply chains pick picking out specific um commodities or critical minerals 
for example, um, noting where it comes from and noting is that going to be subject to trade restrictions in the future because of um, conflictual relations between the US and China. And that's just one example, you know, geopolitics, you can keep going with those examples, but we are seeing companies looking and investigating their supply chains that ultimately, if there is impact, that carries over to the the people who carry those things. And that's, that's our friends in the shipping world. There are, of course, much more specific implications for shipping that need to be considered in the context of this macro picture. So if you would like to hear more, there are several other episodes of this podcast series looking at the impact that the war has had on the shipping markets, the rise of the Dark Fleet and compliance complexities as a result, the impact on seafarers, the consequences for Ukraine's seaborne trade, and a deep dive into the insurance implications. You can find these episodes by following the links on loislist.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you.